In this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast, I am joined by one of my former youth leaders, Tori Dozier, to talk all about our memories and experiences in the junior high youth ministry, as well as discuss the topic of authority and define what we believe church youth ministry should be all about. The conversation in this episode is inspired by the topics and themes of my book, A Jumble of Crumpled Papers. If you enjoy today's conversation and haven't read the book, the link to pick it up is in the description below. If you're a first-time listener, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to our intro episode, episode zero, to get brought up to speed on what this podcast is all about. But without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crumpled Papers podcast. My name is Austin Knoll, and welcome to season two of the podcast. This is episode one, and joining me for episode one is a very special guest, as always, my friend, longtime friend, and which we'll get into, my very first youth leader in church, Tori Dozier. Tori, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I feel like there should be like, you know, like these this this crowd just. Yeah, I'll add it in post. But You'll that'd, hear be, it. that'd be for you though. That'd be for you though. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be clapping and yelling for season two. Like so <laughs> for season two. No, they're clapping for you. Trust me, they're clapping no, for you. No. It's like um, it's like Stranger Things when it finally comes back. You know, you're like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> dude. Yeah, yeah. Tori, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Living life out in in Maui still, and um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, well, you know, one of the best things we ever did. You know, moved out yeah. here and everything. Just uh, learning how to uh, be be a man, be a father, still uh, mm-hmm. be a hu- good husband and everything. Good Christian to to my family and everything, but everything's going pretty good. Yeah. All in Maui, baby. You fit Maui so well. Can I just say that? <laughs> you know, I knew when we came here to visit, this was where I belong. Hmm. Yeah. So, Tori, I, like I said, you were my very first youth leader when I joined the youth. We, we had two different ministries at our church, the preteens and the teens, which was the junior high ministry and the high school ministry. And you were my first leader. So I'm so happy that you were able to come on for this episode and have this conversation about youth ministry and your, and your time as a leader. So thank you for coming on again. Thank you for having me. Um, and I got to say, I'm just like with the book and the podcast and so many voices and people you've already had on season one, which I listened to all the podcasts yeah. and everything. And um, I'm just so proud of you, man. Just, just is, this is pretty amazing what you're doing here and just bringing some light to some areas that needed light. And mm. then also just shining bright in areas that didn't need light. That's just like, Hey, let's, let's just shine this area up some more. Dude. I love so it. Thank you for cool. that. It's the shining stars, yeah. baby. Yeah, shine the stars. See, that's the Easter egg for the people who know, you know. Yeah. And for those who don't know, the Shining Stars was the, the nickname for our youth group back in the day. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, Tori, let's start this conversation. I want to start by asking you a question that I ask all my guests on the show, and that is, okay. to start off, why don't you give us a general overview of yourself and your background, particularly in regards to your church and your faith journey? Yeah, um, 
Let's see. So originally I am from the East Coast and I moved out to California in 98. I was uh, on the East Coast. I was doing acting and uh, I was a swimsuit model for a little bit. And, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was doing stunt work mm-hmm. and um, specializing mostly in fighting stuff. But and my my agent was like, you need to. She was like, you're not getting enough work here. She was like, you either need to move to New York or California where you'd be able to work more. And so New York, I hate cold. And so New York gets colder <laughs> than DC. So I was just like, New York is out. I really wanted to go to New York, but I don't like winter. So I was mm-hmm. just like, I was like, so California it is. And so went to California and um, for the first couple of years was doing pretty well. You know, the, the Hollywood is a f- acting. It's, it's very, it's fickle. Is that a word? Fickle? Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Yeah. It's a very fickle business. Like, like you're, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too big, you're too small, you know, yeah. you're like, like for somebody like me, it was like, you're, you're too black, you're not black enough, mm. you're, you're too light, you're too dark, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, after like two years, it was just like, I wasn't working and stuff. And so, you know, I had to go get a job and I started working at some hotel stuff. And, mm. uh, and then the 9-11 happened. Mm. And that was really, so I had worked with this sister. Like I actually, but even before the, maybe before the hotel, no, I had started doing like plain clothes security for Macy's at the Beverly Center. Really? Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you go into the Beverly Center and you go, I was at Macy's and you go into Macy's and where they do all the perfumes and everything, mm-hmm. right? They have those, the women in those, those pink coats and all those women were like, all those women were beautiful, right? And nobody ever talked to them. They were like models or something. Mm. Nobody ever talked to them or whatever. Yeah. And there was one there that would come up later on. And I didn't, I still didn't talk to her at Macy's. And then I went to work at uh, Wolfgang Puck up at the City Walk. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one day this girl comes in and she's interviewing for a job. And she's interviewing with the man and they loved me up there. And so they were like, Tony was the manager, Tony Sue. I remember Tony and a cool guy. And, um, and he goes, do, do you know her? And I didn't know her. I didn't even know her name. Yeah. You know? And I was like, and we looked at each other and we like, man, we know each other. Like, where do we know each other? She said, did I, did I see you as a DJ somewhere? I was like, no, I'm not a DJ. I was like, I, I play, I play music or something. We thought maybe that was it. Yeah. And anyway, and then he was like, oh, you know her? I was like, oh, yeah, she's the homie. That's my girl, whatever. And he hired her on the spot. Oh, wow. And it turns out, yeah. And so it turns out that was uh, Sochi. Uh, who oh, is now no Sochi way. Waldridge. Yeah, who is now Sochi Waldridge, right? And so Sochi got hired and everything, and she invited me out to church. Uh, but God worked some stuff. Like I said, the 9-11 happened. I ended up losing my place. Mm. losing my job, losing my place after many, many prayers and many, many askings and stuff like that. I ended up at church uh, in Hollywood where I was baptized. uh, Shoot. Dang. You know what? (laughs) What is today? I just, I'm totally forgetful right now. My spiritual birthday passed last week. Oh, no way. Yes. I totally forgot. 23 years. I think it is now. Wait a minute. Mine was four weeks ago, and I forgot. (laughs) You just reminded me. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Mine was October 27th, and I just remembered because oh you said that. Oh my god. Wow, gosh. mine was November 17th. And I'm like, <laughs> oh shoot. I was about to say it's about to come up. And then I look and I'm like, wait, it's past the 17th. Oh man. So we are both yeah. slacking, man. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. <laughs> well, happy late switch birthday to both of us. <laughs> yeah, to both of us. So anyway, and then um that's how I ended up at the church and everything. And yeah, uh, I do remember this though. I'd have to say this. Yeah. So she invited me. So I come from, you know, there's only three things that I know about churches or what have you before I came, you know, I came from a typical, typical black Baptist background church, mm. which my, my parents yeah, or my mom had one that she went to. And a lot of my family went to from my mom's side. Yeah. My dad for a while was a Jehovah's witness. So I had to be oh, a really? Jehovah's witness for a while. Yeah. And then I had some friends that were Catholic and I had, I, I didn't attend their church. I just went with them to their church, which. Mm-hmm wasn't for me, you know, sure. at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so so this is all I knew about church. Yeah. And so Sochi invited me to church and she goes, yeah, we got this really cool church. We have a club in Hollywood. You can wear whatever you want. We play rock music. You would totally fit in. And I was like, what the heck kind of church <laughs> do you go to? Honestly, I though. Never, yeah. I was like, what the heck? Like, this is, this, this gotta be some crazy cult you know, uh, whatever church, they probably pray into a head of lettuce or something. I was like, you know, it was yeah. just crazy, but it was not that, you know, yeah. and, and, and God there was no, me. there was no lettuce to be found. Okay. There was, there was, you know, until, until we had some like food service thing, you know, then there was mm. sandwich, you know, but then you got a little bit where you're like, okay, this is getting kind of weird for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was cool, but it was it was yeah. it was it was better than cool. Like it was mm-hmm. it was what I needed at that time. It was definitely yeah. what I needed. And I did not know the first time I walked in the the band was playing and they were playing a rock song and it was a you know a a, a spiritual rock song. Yeah. And at that point I had never heard of any spiritual rock music. Like, mm. you know, and it blew me away. People were dressed in whatever. I came in as I still came in a suit. Oh, and I'm did. sorry, buddy. I did because I was like, you don't go, you know, a black Baptist church. You don't go oh, in no yeah. regular clothes. You like, they they might not let you in the door. That's true. You were the best dressed one there, man. It was probably too much of a fashion show back then. But uh, so I immediately took. I think I took my tie off and threw it in the trash because I hate ties. <laughs> you know, I think I yeah. threw it in the trash. And anyway, so and seeing all these people praising God, singing out you know, two words that were thrown up a lot back then was fired up. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was like a movement back then. It was almost like a Jesus revolution movement. Yeah. And like, it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think it's so funny how with the rock music, I was thinking there's so many churches, especially in the, like the nineties who would say, man, rock music's from the devil, man. That is devil music. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. no, we got Christian rock music, man. We can buy yeah. the two worlds, baby. <laughs> yeah. No, you ain't kidding. But that's great. Okay. So I want to ask you this too, because I don't think I knew you I, as a kid. I didn't know you until I came into the youth ministry. Um, yeah. So for, for those first couple of years, I knew you in the role of my youth leader. So I want to know, what was the process of you becoming a youth leader? What made you want to do it? And 
I don't know. Like, what what was your experience generally of starting to be of becoming a youth leader? Gotcha. So we were now at this point in time, we were in the valley, and Camila and I were, you know, we were asked to serve in the youth ministry. Yeah. And the truth is, is I, I didn't want to serve. I was like, yeah. I don't have no kids in there. Why y'all making me serve? I don't yeah. have kids in there. And they were like, everybody, everybody's got to do their part type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, nobody wanted to take the preteens, which is mm. very odd to me. Yeah. Like, you know, it was really odd. And uh, the, the the couple that was leading the youth ministry for Sundays at the time, they they were yeah. like, listen, no, nobody really knows what to do with these kids. So they was like, nobody wants to work with them or whatever. And I was like, are these a bunch of rejects? (laughs) (laughs) What is this group of kids, man? (laughs) Yeah. And so we went in there and God knows, you know what I'm saying? God knows. So we went in there, we immediately connected with these kids because these kids, like the the preteens, they're too young to be the high school ministry. And so you can't, you can't get, but so serious with them, yeah. but they're too old to be the younger kids, you know, so you can do simple stuff with them, the younger yeah. kids. So they just didn't know what to do with these kids. But for me, that was the perfect age. Yeah. I was like, they're old enough to know when I need to talk to them seriously, mm-hmm. they get it, but they're still young enough that they want to have fun. They don't think they're too cool or whatever. They still exactly. want to have fun. And that mm-hmm. was the perfect age for me. And so we served, you had to serve for six months. So we served our yeah. six months. And then between it, they, they called, they, we became the preteen ambassadors. Mm. And so, cause they was like, it's never flourished this much with any, any couple, yeah. you know, people being in the preteens. And so when it was over, we were actually, you know, really sad that it was over. And then one of the, the, the leadership couples in the church at the time, they came to us and they were like, Hey, yeah we've been trying to figure out what to do with these kids. Do you guys want to try to figure out something to do with these kids as a Devo and stuff, just like we do with the teens? Mm-hmm. And we jumped all over that. So, yeah. and, and that's basically like how we became the, the preteen shining stars leaders. Love. It. And how, how long were you leaders for? How many years? Do you know? 13 years. 13 years. Wow. Yeah. 13 awesome. years. Yeah. We, I mean, loved it loved it you know yeah and and that's why you're on this episode we're gonna talk about i want to have a conversation kind of just going through some of the best memories and aspects of your time there and of my time there and some of our shared experiences i mean so many great things because a reason why i had you on is because like many people listening i'm sure there were so many great memories of these years youth ministry team ministry and there were also some not great things. And I, yeah. I, I attribute so much of the good stuff with the years under your realm here. And I wanted to, you to come on because I register with that, with, with you. I connect those dots with you a lot. So I, I mean, I want to ask you this. Because I asked you beforehand to think about just some of your favorite experiences and memories. And I wanted Ooh. to ask you, what for you are some examples of memories or experiences that symbolize and resonate with you as what you see as the youth ministry at its best. Oh man. So thinking about that, there's so, so much. There's so, so much. much. I mean, thir- 13 years of being with all these amazing, awesome kids. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, water wars. And now here's one that you got to remember. Uh-huh. Like, you remember when we drove up with your mom? 
Okay, so let me set this up. So, okay, so every year was the annual youth camp, which most churches have for for four or five days up in the mountains. We had them in Big Bear, California. And it was was a year or two after I had already aged out. So I was no longer going to youth camp. Okay, Um, okay. But you were still leading. Yep. And I think we had just had crash because I wasn't there that year. Oh, okay. So So you just had your kid. Okay. Yeah. All right. And your mom called and said, you guys are driving up. And yep. I said, I'm, I'm going. I'm going for water war. Like, she was like, we're just going for the day. We're going to do water war. We're going to do the, the warship. And then we're going to drive back. Yeah. And the reason we were doing this in the first place, going up to camp when we weren't actually supposed to be there, was because the year before that, my mom was a counselor and got into a feud, a playful feud with one of the other leaders during the water war. And throughout the year, between camps, there were a couple instances where one or the other would bring a water gun to like a church service and get the other person without them knowing it. So this was another attempt for my mom to surprise this leader during the water war at the place he would least expect her to be. So we were all going there to kind of exact our revenge. We took this whole thing very seriously. Yes, just for that one sole purpose, taking that three and a half hour drive, mm-hmm. you know, just for that. But here's the thing is that year two, I think that week I had just went to E3, which E3 is the video game expo, you know, the video the, game. The electronic entertainment expo. Yeah. I'm so jealous yes. of you, man. I tried to get in for so many years. I never got to go. Oh man, and uh, I wish I had known that because I, I was I was getting brothers in and stuff. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so there was a new game out called Payday, and Payday mm-hmm. was a bank robber game. And at the booth for Payday, they were giving out the masks oh. that you wear. You remember now? You <laughs> That's remember? where you got those from. I yes. made the connection. Yeah, and so they were giving out the mask for the game Payday. And in the game, you're wearing a suit, right? Mm-hmm. You're wearing a suit with this mask on and you're robbing a bank. So, like, great example I'm setting right now. Let's be oh, like, right, totally. Just as a bank robber heading up to youth camp. Yeah. right now. They're going, great example he's setting right now. Um, you're robbing a bank here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we go up there. I, I, I bring a suit. A suit I'm, I'm thinking of getting rid of anyway. And so I bring a suit and tie and everything. And I put this mask on and I took a, um, I probably maybe shouldn't have did this, but I took a, a gun that looked like a nine millimeter or something. Water gun, water gun, people, water oh, yeah. gun. Just a water so gun, knows. a water gun. Water gun, water gun. We're talking about the water war. Yep. So I took a gun and I painted it black. Oh no. Yeah, I painted it black. And so I put on my suit and everything. And the water war started. I know you and your mom were already in there. Whoever oh, yeah. else went with us, you guys are already in. And I, because I had to get dressed. I get dressed. I run out there and I'm looking for Gio. I'm mm-hmm. looking for who, Gio. Who was oh. the uh, the leader of the head of the entire camp? Of the he was the guy. He still is. I think is he, he still, still is. Wow. Really yeah. awesome guy. Really awesome guy. And uh, so Gio psychs the kids up, gets them all crazy to go after him. You know, and then there's a few counselors and people that he also gets to go after him. And I was mm-hmm. always one of those people. And so <laughs> I ran after Gio. I was like, where is he? Where? Because there's so many kids. You know, you got oh, yeah. three, four hundred kids on this field and it's hard to find them. But of course, all you got to do is look for the biggest, the biggest group of kids running after somebody. Because it and, was 
to for context, it was a battle. It was a battleground. We had some years we had we had the the smokes, uh, the smoke grenade yeah. stuff. We had yeah, people in, in capes, and, and we had a every year we had a sacrifice. Me, like one kid got dunked in a a barrel full of water and 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 sometimes mustard and ketchup and whatever. Like yeah, it was hardcore. Food on them and stuff like that. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, yeah they when they when they took a sacrifice, they really took one. And so I went up to Jill. And I didn't even say anything. And I point my black spray painted water gun at him. <laughs> and for a second, there was a little bit of fear, I believe, in his eyes. Yeah. Because I don't look like anybody else in this water war. No. And here I come pointing this black gun at him. And and then uh and I then I squirt him with it and then and then I said something and he goes, Tori, is that you? Because <laughs> like, you were supposed to be there that sir. year. Yeah. And can I say real quick, I'm going to piggyback off that in the, um, the conversation of, of youth camp. So you at youth camp had your own cabin for at least the years I was there. You had your cabin, which was like, if you were a sixth grader, you had a good chance. You kind of had the same cabin you had dibs on every year, kind of. And it was like the cabin with the playground and everything. Can we quickly, because you mentioning youth camp, I mean, so much stuff happened at youth camp every year. It was so great. But can we talk about my, my first year? And I'm going to ask you this and just get it from your perspective, because I have my perspective. Can you recall what happened with the bunk beds, with me and the bunk beds? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, refresh my well, memory. Well, let me see. I remember the first night, let's see if this jogs your memory. I, I went to sleep on my top bunk, and I woke up on the bottom bunk where you had slept, and you were on my bed. And I didn't know what had happened. I you don't remember this at all? Top? You don't recall this at all? No. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember this at okay. all. Well, wait. I was on the oh top. Oh, my God. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. I think if I say it, you'll remember it. But, okay. So, for some context, bunk beds usually have, on the top bunk, on one side, there's a bar. So, you don't fall off when you're asleep. Most bunk beds have that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yes, there you yes. Go. <laughs> The recognition in your eyes. Yeah. So let me oh, just, man. okay. I we, so yo, when I you, thought when, we was going to have to call your mom. <laughs> you hit that floor so hard. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. So we walk in the first day. People run into the cabins trying to call dibs on whatever bed they want. And I knew yeah, yeah. I'm a restless sleeper. And I noticed almost immediately that the bunk beds were turned the wrong way. So the bar was facing the wall. So the yeah. side that didn't have a bar was out where you could fall off. And I noticed it, and I registered it, but I didn't think about it, and I grabbed the top bunk. And you were the bunk below me. And I went to bed that night. All I remember is waking up the next morning down in your bed, and you were on my bed. And I didn't know what happened, and you had to inform me what happened that year. So go ahead. What was, from your perspective? Yeah. I mean, I just heard a loud, and those were concrete floors. Concrete floors. And- and I'm, I didn't even think it was you. I heard some kid fall out of the bed. And I was like, oh, and it was hard. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, shoot. I was like, here it goes. This is, I'm going to have to call somebody's parents. Somebody broke an arm, a leg, or, oh my or something hit his head, or whatever. Dude, you didn't even flinch. <laughs> you hit that floor. And I was like, you know, and for, you know, for a second, I was like, you know, because you were asleep. Yeah. And you were just kind of out of it. I was like, dude, did he, did he get hurt real bad? Like, yeah. And but then I realized you were still just sleep as I picked you. But when you hit that floor, oh man, my heart just—I was like, 
like I said, I didn't think it was you, but my heart jumped out of my chest. I was like, I'm going to have to call somebody's parent and be like, yeah, I let your kid get hurt at youth camp. Cause here's the thing for me is like, oh, including the girls, yeah. like even though they were on the other side, all you guys were my kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm, I wanted to make sure everybody was taken care of. And so if anybody got hurt or something like that, like, like it affected me, you know? And yeah. so. And I didn't wake up. You did not wake up. I, I fell off. And also from my recollection, did the mattress fall off too? Uh, perhaps on I top think, on top of you. Because I remember I was shocked to hear. Because I remember also that the mattress was 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 uh, was a little bit bigger than the, than the frame of my bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I remember you telling me was you got up, you were startled, and you went up to me. You're trying to shake me awake, and I wasn't yep. really responding. And you're like, "Dude, this kid is dead. <laughs> like he <laughs> is out." And yeah. it turned out I yeah. just didn't. I didn't wake up. I fell on the concrete floor. There's no rugs. Nothing. Nope, the mattress nope. fell on top of me, I believe, and I yeah, yeah. did not wake up, which is not wild. <laughs> which is crazy. Oh my gosh, the heart attack you probably had. I put the I put the, you know, you know, I put you on my bed. Yeah. And then and then I got on yours and I was yeah. like, this guy cannot sleep on this top bunk. <laughs> he cannot sleep on I was like, no, no. Yeah. But that to me, and that was my oh, very I first year. <laughs> Wow, I forgot about that, man. I mean, you said you said youth camp. I thought of that. I wanted to share that story, but continue oh, with whatever other things I, I had to, because that was so. Uh, what's the word? Like definitive of my experience at youth camp that first year. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Speaking of youth camp and hard to wake up. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hank Solano, dude. That dude. <laughs> that dude. That's my dude too. Uh, it was time to get up to go, just to go, like. You know, because you're supposed to wake up, do a Devo with the kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm picking this dude up by his arms, by his feet. <laughs> really? By, and he's still asleep. Oh, my God. I'd be he's like me, but I asleep. woke up better than that. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, you definitely woke up better than that. I mean, I'm, like, shaking him up and down. I'm like, Hank, wake up. Wake <laughs> up. You know, and, yeah. and this cat would not wake. I mean. When he found, like, I've never, I've never met anybody that sleeps as hard as that dude does. <laughs> so there was, there was another time. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if you were there at this time. Seems like you might've been, but it was like the last night yeah. at youth camp. Right. And, and, and you know that the camp, the, the, every cabin has two sides. So it's not, you don't get it like completely to yourself with your kids. Yeah. There's another side with another counselor mm-hmm. and everything. So I was just like. Okay, with the other counselor, I was like, I'm gonna throw this out there and just see who, whatever, they're not gonna do this or whatever. Uh, there was a beetle on the ground. I was like, I'll give somebody a dollar to eat this beetle. Oh no. Okay, so I was the not there. there right <laughs> yeah, all the parents. <laughs> and I thought these kids would be like, he would be like, no, nah, I ain't eating that beetle for no dollar or whatever. Man, all these kids just bum rush me. They say, like, "I'll do it, I'll do it." Like, I'll dude, do for it. a dollar, of course. I was like, "For a dollar, you will eat a beetle?" And they're like, "Yeah, I'll do it for a dollar." And I was like, "No, dude, I'm not giving you a dollar to eat a beetle. I'll do it for fifty cents." No I was like, way. "Oh my goodness!" I finally had, the, the, and then they started going at each other about who's going to eat the beetle. And I, <laughs> I had to take the beetle out and throw it outside because somebody was going to eat this beetle. Okay. Uh, again, parents, parents, you know, what happens at youth camp normally stays at youth camp, but right. you guys are getting it. This is you behind know. the curtains. Um, and this is, 
I mean, in the realm of youth camp stories, this is on the mild side anyway. Oh, so yeah, we're yeah. okay. Well, this 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 one's a little. So this one was the superhero theme camp because every year we had a theme. This is a superhero mm-hmm. theme, right? Yeah. And so for some reason, uh, it's this is the same counselor. We were sharing the same bunk again, and I was like, I will give somebody a dollar to put on this cape. I had a Superman <laughs> cape. <laughs> And run up down, run down this dirt road, dude. You have too many dollars to spare, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in your underwear, run um, down this road <laughs> in your underwear in this cape and yelling. <laughs> and it's like it's like eleven at night again. This is again <laughs> the last night, you know. And yeah. so, so yeah, a couple of kids did. <laughs> a couple of kids did. <laughs> and you had to pay up. You had to pay up though. Here's the thing. I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, here's the thing with that though it's like this is what i what i loved about it is this is the kind of stuff boys do right and so like i'm always thinking this at the same time you're you're teaching them about jesus and you're 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 trying to figure out like you don't want to take them out of their world you want to figure out how to integrate into theirs you know yeah and that's what I was trying to do like Mm -hmm. i was like that was my thing not i ain't trying to do that's what i was doing like yeah you know, that's what I was doing. And let me see here. Uh, Wonder. Wonder. <laughs> another... Shout out to Wonder, my boy. Shout out to Wonder. That's my dude. I, I mean, I got just so many of you guys that are just like my dude. Now, here's a crazy thing. is yeah. when I met Wonder the first time, like I was trying to, like, I used to be a Big Brothers of L.A. Mm. And his mom asked me if I could just kind of hang out with him sometime. This was long before youth camp. Like, yeah, yeah. And I took him out. And I was like, what do you like to do? You like video games? You like, blah, blah, blah. what do you want to do? And he was like, I just like to read. Hey, man. Uh, no, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I just, I like books. And I was like, so you want to go to the, the book bookstore? I was like, we can go to the video arcade. We can go play some video games. We could, you know, shoot some hoops. And this is before yeah. he was playing basketball. Now everybody yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Wonder Kahoot. Under mm-hmm. <laughs> Kahoot, right? This was long before that. And he was like, Yeah, I just want to read. So we just went to a bookstore and sat there and he's just reading books. Oh, God, I, I love like, it. <laughs> I was like, Okay, okay. Hey, and man. so I, later on, I saw Ashley, his mom, and I was, she was like, How'd it go? And I was like, What'd y'all do? I was like, Yeah, he just read. <laughs> she was like, What? And I was like, That's what he said he wanted to do. He wanted to read some books. So we just went to the bookstore and read some books. What an afternoon, man. Yeah. Yeah. But then later on, so let's fast forward a yeah. few years later. He's in, he's in uh this might even been his second time at uh youth camp. Yeah. Uh sixth grade. He did something to me, maybe while I was in the shower or something. Yeah. And then he tried to hide. Wait, so wait, wait. He- Does this involve a suitcase? It does. I was there. Okay. I was there. I, okay. Continue. So Sorry. He tried to hide in the suitcase. So I don't even know how he got his body in that suitcase. <laughs> so he put himself in a suitcase, his whole body, mm-hmm. and somebody zipped it up for him. And then only his head was sticking out, but that was covered with a pillow. <laughs> and so And it, it wasn't it wasn't a very big suitcase either. It was a small suitcase. Yes. And then I knew it was Wonder that did some, because it was something like if you turned on some other water or something in the shower that got cold or whatever. Yeah. So I I was like, where's Wonder at? And all you guys are laughing and stuff. And I was like, where is he? I know it was him. 
where is he at right now? And so, you know, his head starts moving and stuff. <laughs> Take the pillow off and I see his head and I was like, oh, there you are. I was like, so it was you, huh? Um, no, Tori, it wasn't me. It was, oh, no, it was you. I'm just chilling in a suitcase. Uh, I had a wiffle ball bat. <laughs> a plastic <laughs> baseball bat. <laughs> of course and you I did. Started, I started, yeah. I don't even, I, actually, I think whoever the other counselor was gave it to me. And he was like, you, he was like, use this. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, can you get, he couldn't even get out. Couldn't do that. He was totally mm-hmm. zipped up in this thing. So again, parents, please don't, don't hate me for this. It's too late anyway. Yeah. I started beating him in his suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> his arms were in there. He can't do anything about it at all. It, there was nothing he could do. And you guys were crap. It was nothing he could do. Uh... And, um, and again, uh, uh, you know, just, you know, we're obviously laughing because it was funny. Yeah. He, he actually did not get hurt or anything. There was no, no like, there was no. no scars. or I didn't hit it hard enough for just anything. Just a few broken bones. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Black eye, two teeth missing. Uh, they grew back. They grew yeah. back. You're yeah. fine. No, yeah. but that was so, I mean, I remember everyone watching. We're just hysterically laughing. It was so funny. Hysterically so funny. laughing, man. But, um... One more thing with camp is that yeah. this was actually yeah. my idea too. Um, Cause when we first got to camp, the first few years I went to camp, uh, the last night they would show a movie. I think the first mm-hmm. year I was there, they showed Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> and I said, wouldn't we, as we were setting up the camp, cause they were like, what movies are we going to, what movie are we going to watch this year? Yeah. And I was like, how about if we don't watch a movie and we get the kids to create movies for their region? Yeah. And we do that instead. I said, they'd get a bigger kick seeing themselves on screen versus, you know, watching somebody else on screen, you know, like the, you know, a regular movie. And plus we know the content is going to be good, you know, (laughs) or whatever. And uh, so I came up with the idea. So I, I mean, just some of the videos were awesome. Just so y'all know, I don't know if he said this on the podcast. Austin is a director. Yes, he is. I kind of yes, am. Is. I kind of am. I mean, yes, he is. I remember those and, uh, years, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Having fun and he making would those. Austin would be directing us in these and some of these videos and stuff. And I had the privilege of doing some of his other videos for school and award winning like. school films. Just saying. That is true. That is true. And I got to do it with my boy, Brandon Parrish. Shout out to Brandon. Shout out to Brandon Parrish, baby. Yeah. Like he, who was also a, a preteen Shining Stars uh, leader, mm-hmm. um, but doing those movies was 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 awesome. Like watching those at the uh, end of the week. Yeah. Um, and on a more serious note, there was one time when, again at youth camp, where whoever was preaching was talking about God as the Heavenly Father mm-hmm. and how much He loves us, and he was talking a lot about our our earthly fathers mm-hmm. and our heavenly Father. And I just happened to be sitting next to two two of our preteen boys who did not have earthly fathers. Mm. And you could see the hurt. Yeah. You know, yeah. the tears welling up, the hurt in their eyes, you know, feeling like, like, why don't I, why don't I have this experience? Mm. Like, what's wrong with me? And I put my arms around both of those boys and I was just like, I just want you guys to know that there's absolutely zero wrong with you. Mm-hmm. It's your dads who are missing out. 
Hmm. Your, father, your fathers are the ones missing out. Yeah. And I was like, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, it just, it broke my heart, you know, to see them like that. But also uh, just the fact that I could be there with them and stuff in that moment was also very, uh, it was a lot. It was a lot emotionally. It was good a lot, you know, was, yeah. and, uh, and the three of us got to talk later on after the Devo and everything. And they were, you know, like I said, you know, they were very upset and stuff. And like I said, I was just like, yeah, don't hmm. like, I know, I know it's easy to say this, but I was like, don't let that, that mess, try not to let that mess with you. You are amazing kids, you know? And yeah. I said, your dads are the ones missing out. So that was, hmm. that was another, you know, so, so yeah. many moments. So many. I don't know if you were here for this one, but we had one Devo where I was trying to show how Satan psychs you out, right? Hmm. So I had a table set up with all kinds of candy on it, right? <laughs> and um, I think one of the candies that I can remember was baby bottle pops. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is sin. This is how, this is how Satan will use you with sin. Yeah. So I got, I got like six kids. I was like, okay, when I say go, you got to start eating the candy. And so the, the one I can remember the most is a baby bottle pop. Because you have mm -hmm. to take, you have to lick the, the, the candy, and put dip it, it into the powder, and then, you know, you eat it. Yeah. And so, yeah. and they were so excited to eat this. And so he, he picked up the candy, licked it, put it in, licked it again. And the, the powder was salt. Oh, was no. Salt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was salt. And so when he licked it, his face got so sour. Like he was like, oh my goodness, what is this? And like I was like, here, you know, and there was other candies kind of like that too. We had put salt yeah. on our or something that didn't taste so great. And uh, and not all of them were that way. Some sure, of them yeah. just stayed sure. the way they were, right? And I was like, so here's the thing with with how Satan will make sin look. He makes it look like it's good. Yeah. He makes yeah. it, yeah, you look at it and you're like, wow. And now I said, and then you get into it and it's nasty. Dude, that is grade A classic youth ministry. Like, yeah, yeah. That's just, oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. And so I, I do have to, again, shout out like Camila, because without her, like so much stuff wouldn't have got done. Mm -hmm. And then she she would do these amazing devos too, like lead these amazing devos. Yeah, it was uh, once again shout out to Sarah Drosty. Sarah Drosty. Yeah. So there was one time Brandon was teaching a teaching a devo, and uh, and he kept saying, and me and Sarah was sitting in the back, and he he was saying like, it's your duty to to do certain things or whatever, <laughs> and I looked at Sarah. Oh my goodness! This just shows how how childlike we were and how <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. At, yeah, I looked at her and I said, "He said duty." <laughs> <laughs> you're the leaders so in the back starts, of the room. <laughs> she starts cracking up, <laughs> and so he said it again. <laughs> we're like in tears back there. <laughs> she goes, "He said it again." <laughs> he said duty, and we're back there cracking up. The kids are looking at us and stuff, and we're trying not to laugh. Like, what and are you guys Brandon, doing? Then Brandon finally goes, "I know what you guys are laughing at. You need to stop." <laughs> but it was just an awesome moment. Like, that's um, the best, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just so so 
hilarious. You know this. One of my things, too, was that I, I didn't want you guys sitting in a classroom. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like that. Like, you sat in a classroom Monday through Friday. You know, all mm-hmm. the kids sit in a classroom Monday through Friday. Like, yeah. unless it was raining out, like, I was like, you know, we, we start off in the class because we got to take attendance, all that kind of stuff. But if it's, yeah. if it's nice outside... We live in Southern California. I was like, there's no reason for us to sit in a classroom yeah. all day. I'm like, God is outside too. Yeah. So let's go outside. And so I'm like, we're going to utilize as much of this area of the school that we're in as we can. And uh, one of the one of the things I love to watch you guys play was Angel Ball. Angel you know? Ball. I remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Basically dodgeball, right? But. You know, just seeing you guys, we go out to the field and play stuff and do stuff. Uh, I know there was times when maybe I was doing a lesson. And if it wasn't like if it wasn't quite sticking right there, like it wasn't like I could see if you read the audience, you could see yeah. when it's not sticking and, yeah. and people aren't paying attention. There's more talking going on and stuff. And I'm like, OK, all right, you guys need to go run, take a lap. Go yep. take a lap. Let me go look at my stuff. Let me look and see what I can take out and whatever and fix because I'm I'm missing something here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, go take three laps. See who gets back first. You know, you guys just go. And we needed it around. too. That's what we needed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, like I said, I just loved it. Like you guys were amazing. It was such an honor to be with, with like the trust and everything that I got from the parents and yeah. that the kids gave me. Like it was, you know, Jesus talks a lot about kids and kids mm-hmm. love Jesus, you know? And I think one of the things was like, if Jesus was like totally serious all the time and everything, like kids wouldn't want to be around them. You know what I'm saying? It's true. Like they wouldn't want to be around them. So, and they wanted to be around them to the point where the disciples were like, get those kids out of here. And he was like, no, you let them kids come on. And come to me, you know, and that's and that was that was my feel with you guys. Like, like even you know, it's so funny because even when I would have my my birthday would come up, like I'd want to do a party with the kids from the, from the yeah. preteens and any other kids that wanted the game, that wanted yeah. to come, you know. Like I was like, it have to be some kind of party that the kids can come to. Like it always mm-hmm. have to be something like that. So, yeah, I love it, man. Okay, so yeah. I mean, you hit some some fantastic things some of them i remember from firsthand some were my first time hearing it but there's so many great things of showcasing the youth ministry like at its absolute best funnest like the best version of it right I, I, it's so great um and those yeah. are memories that i have of myself of those were the best moments of of that youth yeah. ministry. that was yeah. the best points you know yeah and so i want to ask you this on the on the flip side now can you recall any experiences or moments that stood out to you as either hindering or going against what that definition of what youth ministry should be all all about to you? I was not a part of the high school ministry, which is a part of the the youth ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although they did definitely try to recruit me for it. Yeah. But I was just like, it's too much. um, I want, I'm, I'm so goofy. I like to, I like to have, you know, I like to do, like too much fun <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know, whatever. Yeah. It was just dealing too much with real life. I already had to deal with my own real life. And, yeah. you know, and so on a regular basis, I was just like, you know, I, I love being with the preteens. Cause like I said, they, mm. 
you know, I love being with kids who still can have have fun and not trying to be too cool. By the time you get to high school and everything, now, like even with the even with the preteens, when you get you get into sixth grade, you know, you're starting to to, to notice girls more. <laughs> you're you're starting to realize what's cool and what's not cool. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you know, want to get too serious with stuff, and that's where. I felt like that's where God gave me a like I would I would try not to give too many scriptures during yeah you know because you ain't going to retain all that stuff anyway yeah you know uh but as long as a little bit gets in there and as long as you're mm-hmm. having fun like that's like like I said Jesus you know he kids love Jesus cuz Jesus was fun so I wanted the kids to be able to have fun mm. and so yeah once you start taking out that element once you start adding like let's sit in the class all day sunday let's bring out a book and read this book all day sunday you know then you start taking out like in that age group you this is what I felt you start taking out an element of fun like I said like I'm always going to fight for the kids and yeah. their relationship with God in that in that way. And I'm like, right now, their relationship with God doesn't need to be anything serious. It just needs to be fun. Mm. And it can't be what you think is fun. You got to know what kids think is fun. Right. You know, like kids think dodgeball is fun. It is fun. Right. Yeah. Running around is fun. Being outside is fun. And here was a testament to to that. Uh, was sometimes you guys would bring friends to youth group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I said, um, that that's that was my thing is when you start take when you start making it too serious, and then uh, like I said, we were doing it for thirteen years, and about eleven years in, some of the leadership wanted some things to change, and I wasn't necessarily on board with the change. Hmm. Yeah. And so we we would kind of butt heads on it. We didn't argue or anything or whatever, but I would just yeah. let them know, like, I, I don't agree with that. Like, I respect you, but I don't agree with that. And I'm going to I'm going to fight for the kids. I don't think the kids I don't think that's what the kids need. And, just, you know, and because somebody's in leadership, even for a long time, it doesn't always make them right. Right. And, and in terms of of these these changes, I know a big one we've talked about was this kind of structure for, or the program, I'd say, maybe, maybe for, 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 the, for the preteen ministry, which was this, I don't know, how would you describe it, this, this project, this program, this heritage program? Like, just, it was kind of like school, I guess, right? Yeah, that's what it seemed like. Uh, yeah. It seemed like school. Like, you know, with school, you, 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 like and and you guys had so much work to do at home with it too. Yeah. Uh, and then you come there at, to to Sundays and maybe even the you know the Shining Stars Devos and you still had to work on this this project thing. And I yeah. just didn't think it was the best the best plan for the preteens. You know, I remember walking into a class and some of the yeah. kids running up to me and they were like, "Please take us away." And I'll- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, I cannot. I'm not. I'm not in charge of that. Like, you know. And even the 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 people that were teaching that class, they were like, "This is these kids don't want to do this, man. They they're they're fighting against it. They're 
they're making up reasons not to come to class. Right. Which, which kind of goes against the entire point of wanting to make it fun. Wanting to, wanting to make it where they want to come and be with each other and learn about God and in that environment. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, and, and it's so great you said that because one of the things that yeah. one of the best ways to learn about God and about Jesus and about the Bible and about how things work is your relationships with each other, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's that's huge. So, okay, so kind of going off this, I wanted to ask a, a prevalent topic that I talk with people a lot about in regards to youth ministry and even the wider church ministry as a whole is this idea of authority, which I know we've talked a bit about a, a little bit. So I'm curious to know, being a, a youth leader for, for a long time, mm-hmm. what are your overall thoughts on authority, both from the perspective of a youth leader and of a parent, and kind of like that dynamic between the authority of leaders and parents in regards to ministry kids? Well, for real, the authority, in my, in my opinion, yeah. is God, is parent, mm-hmm. kids, is youth leader. In that order, you're saying. In that in that order, it should be God, parent, youth leader, right? You know, here's my thing: like anytime anything was going down with one of my kids, that's what I'm going to say. Anything, anytime was going down with one of my kids, I told them everything because they needed to know everything. They should know everything. There was nothing that that I would uh, hold from parents, and some, and I think some parents were like they wanted you to be more than like they wanted you to be more they wanted you to take sometimes their role sure like what they what they should have been helping the kids with you know i would get pet calls from parents all the time can you talk to them can you talk you know or whatever and i'm like have you talked to them you know mm-hmm. that's that's your son or your daughter like you you need to have the that relationship with them where where they hear you and now i'm i'm sort of in that boat you know crashes crashes in high school now right and he he will listen to me but yeah you know he'll hear stuff from somebody else more than he'll hear it from me mm-hmm. and i get that uh, i was the same way you think to yourself you think your parents aren't cool they don't know anything yeah you know what i'm saying but then mm-hmm. you can hear the exact same thing from somebody else that your parents told you and you're like oh yeah dude that totally makes sense. And that makes a lot of sense why, I mean, it makes a lot of sense why being the kind of role that a youth leader is, it makes sense that some parents, whether they're too busy or don't feel confident enough or don't feel like they resonate enough with their kids, whatever, it makes sense they would go, hey, can you take on these certain roles and teaching them this or talking to them about this or handling this, Yeah. where really that is the parent's role. And it should be, I think, in the healthier situation because it can start to encroach on that level of authority in terms of yeah the, with that kid is I, I get what you're saying with that. Yeah. And you don't want to have blurred lines with that. Like, right. You know, like, Oh wait, who should I listen to? Who's, who's in, you know, I always told you guys like anytime there's an issue, if you don't dig something, if you got a question, go to your parents. Like if you don't have to take my word for it, go talk to your parents. That's mm-hmm. the authority. Yeah, and I'm saying that that's, that's huge because, I mean, you're talking about, because there's kind of both two sides of this. Is one is when you're saying like a parent trying to push and desiring the youth leader to 
to rise to a role that they're not meant to be with authority. Mm-hmm. And what that can kind of cause is sometimes on the, on the, on the flip side of that, because there's that desire in some, sometimes youth leaders can, you know, almost always with great intention, rise to that occasion without being asked sometimes, mm. which is on the other side of that, which, which is a problem because then there are parents who, who, right, don't want that. And sometimes the youth leaders can, in my experience, I've had some leaders where with completely good intention, they, they have kind of risen to a level of authority that rivals the parents where advice given or certain things suggested kind of is more of a final say to a, a kid than vetting it to their parents, if that makes sense. Now, see, for me, that's crazy. Um, yeah. You know, even, I actually hate saying this part, but yeah. even if it's a bad decision, it's still up to the parent to make. That's very true and, and, and a difficult thing to say, but it is absolutely true. You're right. And, you know, then, then from there, what we need to do as the leaders is pray. Mm-hmm. Pray earnestly, you know, pray faithfully. But yeah, it is not, at that point, it is not, unless it was something like somebody could get hurt or something, then yeah. that's where some kind of other step needs to be stepped in. But that's, again, never happened that I've known of. But, you know, I've had, to, I've had some parents say to me, stuff that's disappointing like well you know what we're not going to have them come anymore because of this this and this Mm -hmm. and you know and only thing i can do is say you know what i totally respect your decision yeah and uh we hope we hope we do see them again like you change your mind or what have you you know it 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 has happened you know and that that's a huge thing you touched on is because yeah thinking from a youth leader's perspective or any leader but but of, of kids primarily it's it's hard that definitely would be hard seeing parents, which happens all the time, parents making decisions for their kids that, that the youth leader sees as, oh, I don't think that would be the best or the healthiest. But it's, a, it's really hard. And also it's a slippery, I mean, that's that term, slippery slope. But it is. it's a slippery slope because it also in my experience, unfortunately, there have been times too where, you know, there are definitely healthy and healthy things, good and bad things that are pretty definitive and objective. But there are also... I've been experiences where a leader will see a decision made or advice given by a parent that they don't think or they don't agree with, but is not objectively the wrong decision, just different than they would have done. And yeah. that causes a problem because the only, reason, the only reason there's room to, for it to be a problem is because by that point, the authority hasn't been outlined clearly enough where they know it's not their place, which is such a hard thing. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's so important to, from the basis, know what you were saying is God, parents, and then me. So then even in the places where it's hard, there's no room to go, oh, maybe, maybe that is my say where you can de- you're there to, I mean, you, you guys are invaluable roles, absolutely just to, to teach us these things. But in terms of authority of final say, it can get so tricky when those lines are blurred. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't like for me, those are, those are definite lines. Like there's no, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no blurring on that, you know? And sometimes I have to say that first like 11 years, like, cause you you know, we still had to talk to leadership about stuff and everything. Sure. Yeah. It was, it was, it was awesome. Like we got a lot of, a lot of support, a lot of advice. And, and and I would, I'm going to say like, probably like 
you know, 85, 90% of it was just good stuff. But then, you know, then there was times when decisions were at, you know, like somebody would say, Hey, I think you guys should do this. And we would say, Oh, we appreciate that, but we're not going to do that. Yeah. And then, no, I think you guys should do this because this, this, and this. Well, I feel you on that. Thank you again, but we're still going to do this. Wow. I'm disappointed that you're not going to take my advice. Well, that's cool. You have to deal with that disappointment. Um, mm. you know, I'm I'm going for what I think is like best for the kids. Like I'm fighting for the kids here. Yeah. And that doesn't seem like that's the best thing for for these kids in in the Shining Stars. And so I'm not a um uh, I am not, you know, a a carbon copy. Like this is not saying anything bad about anybody. Like if I have yeah. if I have something to say, I'm going to say it. Like we are all yeah. humans, right? So yeah, that means that we're gonna make mistakes. Everything we say is not correct, right? And that goes that goes for me. Like I've had to be as the leader of the shining stars. I've had to to be corrected by higher ups, yeah, and people under me where they felt like I was doing this wrong or or doing this or and it may not so much have been with the kids, but it may have been more so with them and stuff like that. So and because why? Because I'm human and we just have to, we just have to realize that like my advice is not always the best advice, right? You know, and we have to be able to deal with, okay, you know what? That's the parent. They want to make that decision. You know, we not, not that, well, I told you so type of thing, but right. let's pray that, that God, like that their decision is the best decision. Maybe there's something I don't see that they see, mm-hmm. you know? that's the healthiest way because it leads to oftentimes a lot of directions and answers that you wouldn't have thought of yourself. Right. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Healthier alternatives. Absolutely. For sure. All right, Tori, I got, I got three more questions for you. Th- this question I was really curious about because we've mentioned y- your son who's now in high school. Mm-hmm. And back when I was in the preteens, junior high ministry with you, uh, he was, very young, just born practically, yep. but, but a young, young kid those years. Yeah. And I, I wanted to know this has being a parent of a child that is now that age who has gone through recently the ages that the kids were in your ministry back in the preteens has having, has being a parent of a child that age challenged, altered or reinforced any ideas or mentalities you had about youth ministry when you were a leader? In other words, like, have you realized anything that you now think differently about than you did back then or anything that you agree with even stronger now about your perspective about youth ministry back then? You know what? I think, so here's the thing is right now, Crash is not really filling church, you know? Sure, yeah. He's not really filling it right now. And he's not filling youth, the youth thing. One of the thing, one of the decisions, like I do feel like moving to Maui was one of the best decisions we made. You know, yeah, uh, it's so much more peaceful here. Like, oh, I bet. <laughs> I mean, like, like as far as world stuff goes, it's so much more peaceful here. Yeah, um, cri- the crime stuff is almost non-existent. We don't have billboards with half-naked women all over the place. We don't have billboards here. You're not allowed to have them here. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. On on Maui, you're not allowed to have, them, but. Here, here's the thing. And so our church, we go to a church called Hope Chapel here in Kihei. But recently we were reading a book as a church 
called One at a Time. And I never, I never noticed this, but Jesus connects with people one at a time. Yeah. He could be in a group of people. It's an amazing book. Like I definitely, uh, by Kyle Lieberman, I think his name is, but he, he, he talks about like, even in a crowd of hundreds of people, he's always focused on one. On the individual. On the individual. And so one of the things that I, I, so I'm, I'm totally like, you're asking, does something need to change? Do I feel like uh, with the youth ministry, do I feel any different? Do I feel stronger about it? Any of your viewpoints that have been changed or reinforced, right? Yeah. Yeah. Reinforced is like of what youth ministry it, it, it should be and could be and is, is what yeah. it is. Reinforced. Like right now, if I was in, if the crash wasn't my son and I was in the youth ministry, he would be the one that I would see. Why is this guy not connecting? Hmm. You know, like, like I used to do when we would get new kids in our, in our classrooms and stuff like what's, or kids that have been there for a while, but seem like they don't want to be there. Yeah. Like what, what's going on with this kid? Why is he not connecting? What's, what's, you know, and it's not that like, I'm like, why is he not connecting with Jesus? You know, right. that'll like, I'm, I'm just there to plant the seed. So, right. the, and the seed for us as, as youth ministers, the seed is love. So, so I'm here to love up on this kid. So why is this kid not connecting right now? Like what, you know, Yeah. let me, let me give him some, some special attention because we need to figure out what's, you know. Like, like maybe what are some of his barriers and walls up that I can help bring down a little bit? Yeah. Whatever. So every time that kid would come, like I would make sure I'd, I'd, I'd find him go give him a special hug. What's up? How was your week? What's going on? Let's talk for a minute until he starts opening up, you know? Yeah. And right now I don't think that's happening with crash and, you know, and I think just being in tune with, you know, with the kids and everything. And again, not to say these youth leaders are not in tune. I don't sit in on the devos and stuff like that. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but just making sure you're in tune with, Okay, this kid seems like he's hurting, and this kid, mm. you know, one one of the things we we always have to remember is is like First Peter says Satan's coming. He's like a lion, right? And he's coming after the weak and the young, you know. Yeah. And this world right now is calling kids. Oh yeah. In a different way than it was ten years ago. Just the the, the different avenues and venues that are that are uh, attacking. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And they're hitting hitting my son, and they're you know yeah. maybe when Lyric gets older, she, they're gonna hit her too. Like not maybe they're yeah. gonna hit her, but yeah. And so it's it's such an avenue. Like we have to see this is such a place where kids can go and feel safe. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure they feel safe here to be themselves without that distraction. Those distractions. That is, I mean, that is so, I'm so glad you said that. That is so huge. Because I'll say this too. I, in so many of my conversations on this podcast, outside this podcast, especially with, with younger people my age and below, it's become so apparent to me what a, a bummer and a waste opportunity it is when a church group or a ministry or whatever that has the connection and the resources to really reinforce somebody. Yeah. To 
help them, heal them, protect them, guide them doesn't. And instead, and instead leaves them with, with more, with more questions or maybe some more hurt or, or in some cases you're talking about there are different avenues that people are getting attacked right now. Young people. Yeah. I think it's, it's unfortunate. The culture right now, we're in a lot of churches and you know, one is too many, but a lot because the church is failing to meet somebody where they're at, they become almost a contender into showing that young person that, oh, church may not be the way, and therefore maybe God isn't the way. And what a bummer when the church could be the exact opposite, showing them, oh, God's got you here. He's, right, one at a time. Mm-hmm. He sees you as an individual, and because he does, we do. And I think to give you credit as, a, like, you, as leaders, it's a hefty challenge because a lot of weight is on you because... The way that you, I'm talking any with adult congregations, or whatever, but especially with younger people. Yeah. The way that you interact with them and the things that you, or the way that, the way that a young person feels by the way they interact with a leader mm-hmm. is how they view how God makes them feel. Yeah. And a lot of their image that you sow into them and the way you treat them, the way that you teach them about God is reflected through who they see God as. So it's a hefty challenge and it can be so fruitful when it's done in love. When love is like you said, the absolute fundamental basis of how you see them and deal with them, whether they're difficult, a difficult kid, quote unquote, or an easy kid, quote unquote. Right. Cause that's not, you know, yeah. that's all because there's inner stuff, but it's so huge. I'm so glad you said that. Cause it's such a big thing. And so much, so much fruitfulness can be, can be done so much good, but also when, when priorities become out of line, like they do in, in unfortunately a lot of different ministries and people are human. It happens all the time and people can realign themselves, but it happens a lot where, where, where some real damage can be dealt. And because a church is, is a really vulnerable place and where you're most vulnerable, you can get most, most hurt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that you said that. That's such a, that's such a big thing. And I love the one at a time individual because at the end of the day, a church is an organization, right? Yep. It is. So, and it can be difficult when leaders of certain ministries can, can forget a bit about the heart of it. Uh, it uh, it's a, it's a group made up of individuals. That's where the power comes from. Yeah. And instead treat a ministry or a group of people as a group. So when there's a weak link, it's a weak link. It's not a, it's not a person going through something. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's, that's so huge. So I thank you for saying that. I really do. And the, and the thing is too, I want to put it out there for like, you know, I've never, I mean, been a youth leader, but I, I can't imagine being a church leader <laughs> right? and the things they have to go through and talk about and deal with and, I, I, at one point I thought I wanted to be a church leader. Did you? I did. And then I saw some of the stuff that the church leaders get to deal with and stuff. And I just, <laughs> I don't have a patience for it. Like I just, yeah. listen, dude, you just need to stop doing this, pray and, and humble out. Yeah. You know, you're like, listen, dude, I'll give you a dollar to eat that, that bug right there. <laughs> humble out, put no. this, put this cape on and go run down the street. <laughs> Uh, but that is that is that's your wheelhouse, right? It's it's showing God and God's love through the fun and the enjoyment of being who you are. That's it, and I love that. Yes, and and so we're just we're just trying to like you know as a as a youth 
leader you try to so you don't want like one of the things i don't want is what a kid is to conform to be something they're not in in mm. not spiritually yeah but just like something you're not like so if if a kid is kind of wild and crazy in a good way yeah like keep fostering that keep don't don't have him change to be this now super nice he'll still be super nice like like don't suppress it direct yeah direct it like use that because that's gonna attract other kids like that it's so true like don't try to make him into like if he's wearing ripped jeans and a a rock t-shirt just to yeah whatever and he's got a mohawk but he loves jesus let him wear them ripped jeans and that rock t-shirt and that mohawk heck yeah and he because he's gonna attract but that's that's his personality. If he's if he's kind of crazy and you know, I think of somebody like like Eli Moeller, you know. Ah, yes. You know. Jen was on the last season, yep. Oh, she was. Yeah. I love Eli and he would be just doing these crazy things, him and his friends, you know, other brothers and stuff, shooting each other with yeah. BB guns and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck are y'all doing, man? But that was a part of his DNA. Like he loved doing yes. crazy stuff. Like, and he would bring other, other cats into that. And they, you know, that was a part of that, that, that wild at heart thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we often mistake the world often mistakes Jesus as a super nice guy. You know? Yeah. We see him as this sweet. Hello. My name is Jesus. Just polite, cordial in the lines, whatever. Yeah. And and that so much wasn't Jesus. Yeah. That so much wasn't Jesus. He was wild at heart. Yeah. And so, but he also had his points where he was also a gentle spirit. Yeah. And so I'm just like, you know, let's, let's, you know, we don't want to make carbon copies. No. We don't want to do that. We just want to make a Jesus copy. Be who you, God made you who you are. Just, okay. you know. But he he wants to use those gifts, those ways he made you to be who you are. That's huge. I mean, earlier on this episode, in the beginning, you you mentioned how we learn the most about God by knowing other people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I the emphasis, this is the recurring theme here, is the individualism of a church body and a, and a kid's ministry, an adult ministry, whatever. It's, I, I unfortunately, I've had a lot of talks with people who have at one point or another felt like an outcast or pushed aside or tried to conform to be somebody else because they didn't fit the mold their church was trying to promote of what a certain believer looked like. Yeah. And when you do that, first off, a lot of damage and people can, you know, feel like they they can't be who they are, which is a huge disservice to who God made them to be. Yeah. But on the other side is, what's going to happen is if everyone's the same, thinks the same, looks the same, acts the same one, it's not authentic because they're not all like that. But two, everyone in that group is going to miss out because they are missing out on aspects of God and God's character mm. that they're not being exposed to yeah. in other people. Yeah. Preach about it. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> no. But it's so true. It's when you see people of all different kinds, you know, Oh wow. God I see God through him and through her and through them and through them, but in different ways because they're not the same. Yeah, because they're not the same. Nope, and it's totally true. And and then we we give out our own stuff. It's that's not the mm-hmm. same, you know. And so my thing is is with again with 
you know, kids and yeah. youth ministry is how how can I help line that up with with God, you know, in a fun way? Yeah. How can I help line that up? You still be who you are. You and you know, Caden, like, you know, love Caden, right? <laughs> Caden Thurst, shout out, buddy. Let's go. Shout out to Caden. And when I was when he was in the youth ministry, I think he was like totally into NASCAR. Oh, he still is. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, just imagine if he had like a car, you know, <laughs> driving like driving like, uh-huh. you know, this 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 car that's some kind of like something with Jesus on it or something, you know, really cool <laughs> like that, you know? And he but not uh-huh. but not only that though, but he's winning races too, you know? Yeah. Then he gets to represent God in this in this really awesome way and stuff. You know, I always thought that way, like whenever he talked okay. about it and everything. Like foster these characteristics, these desires, these passions in these kids. Yeah. And what will result what will result from that? And this is, I mean, a whole different conversation, but so much shame can be brought on. So much of the shame we bring on happens when we're younger because we learn things about ourselves that we that are lies, but we believe about ourselves that start at a young age. And start at a young age. Things like, oh, I don't belong here. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I shouldn't be this way. Yeah. And on the flip side, fostering those things and encouraging them will, one, eliminate the shame. Yeah. And two, let them embrace those things and through those things glorify God. Yeah. It's, it's so huge. It's so great you said that, too, because that's one of the things with the Shining Stars. I was always like, like I said, I wanted yeah. it to be a safe space for anybody. Yes. It's like, I don't care what color you are. I don't yeah. care how much money your parents got, you know, yeah. the social status, none of that stuff. We're not, right. we're not doing that in here. Right. You just be you. Don't worry about what somebody else thinks about you just being you. Yeah. Like you get enough messages about who you're not and what you're not good enough at and whatever yeah. outside of church. Outside of inside church. Inside should be sewing into you. In, inside, the people inside and the, the structure is in, in place should only act as mirrors of God yeah. to say, no, this is how God sees you. That's not true out there. Yeah. Listen to what God says through how, how you experience me as a person. No, I mean, you know, to, to me, all the girls that came through there were my little beautiful princesses. <laughs> all the boys yeah. were just like little warriors to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it was, it was an amazing time. Huge. That's so, I love that we touched on that. So great. Yeah. Okay, I got two more questions for you, Tori. Here okay. we go. Here we go. Second to last is, this is a good one too. If you could tell anyone in a youth leader position what their role is and what they should be striving for in their ministry, what would it be? You know, it would still be like, what do you think, like with the kids, with the youth ministry, first of all, what's the outcome? Mm-hmm. What's the outcome? And like I said, I had an outcome for the shining stars and that was that they can have a fun relationship with God. That was the, that was the thing we built the shining stars on. Like God wants to have fun with you. Like, cause you know, a lot of times your friends and stuff like that, if you tell them you go to church or whatever, they're going to be like, Oh, what? (laughs) Right. And then. You know, and just imagine you'd be like, nah, dude, we go to church. We play, we play angel ball, which is dodgeball with a twist on yeah. it. We do this. We run around. We do this. We do these things, whatever. Mm-hmm. We have sleepovers where we play. Oh, you guys probably play God games all night long. 
oh, dude, we play, you know, whatever, Left for Dead or what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. As long as it's, a, you know, appropriate or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, for the boys, you know, the sleepover, a shooting game where you shoot, yeah. shoot zombies and stuff like that was appropriate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The memories I've had. Yeah. And and plus, you know, racing, game, oh, whatever it was, you know. But what's, what's the, the big picture outcome? Take yourself out of that big picture outcome. What's the yeah. big picture outcome? And like I said, mine was I wanted kids to be able to have fun with God. Yeah. You know, and then so one of the things that the book talks about, it says, yeah. what does God need to do in me so he can do something through me? Mm, yeah. And so, you know, even when we first came to the to the youth youth on Sundays, when we didn't want to be there initially, like God had to change some things in my heart yeah. and then changing those things in my heart, he did something through me. And now, so, you know, I'm not taking, um, definitely not taking credit for any of this. Sure. But, but so much good was done. Yeah. That's so much good was done, you know, and then there's a lot to think about that. What's too much? What's not enough? Right. You know, um, where can we grow? And you got to constantly, that's one thing we would get together as the leaders of the Shining Stars and like, okay, what's working, what's not working. We would do that a lot. What can we change? How can we build the relationships even more with these kids? Yeah. And, um, you know, and this can go on any kind of ministry, you know, but also where are you in your walk? Right. You know, where are you with God? Like, how's your walk going? While, you know, are you preaching to the choir or are you, do you need to be preaching to yourself? Right. You know, like, yeah. Are you, are you good and pretending to be good? Right. Or, and, and it did, here's the thing. God uses broken people. That's what he always uses. Yeah. But these broken people know they're broken and they admit they're broken. Yeah. So it's not to say that a broken person can't lead a, a a youth ministry or something like that. Sure. But, you know, it's about being humble about it. And like I would, you know, sometimes tell you guys in the preteens and stuff like that, dude, it has not been a good week for me. Yeah. I would I would admit stuff. What I could admit, I would admit stuff. Yeah. You know? And then another thing too is, and I've said this too, is admitting when you're wrong. Yeah. Kids will remember the pain right but as soon as you say you're wrong and you mean it from your heart i mean it is gone for real yeah it is gone for real and i've had to apologize to a few kids for something sure you know um because again i am what i'm human you're human and that leaves such an impression Uh, i know it does because it's not all the time, especially with an adult and kid dynamic. You don't, kids don't often hear adults apologize to them for their wrongdoings. They don't always have to, right? They can justify themselves. Yeah. And I still have to do that with, with my son. I have to do it with my daughter. Yeah. I have to do it with my wife. Yeah. I still have to do it, you know? Yeah. And you always will. Yeah, and I always will. You're right. You're right. Always will. Love it. So, so good. All right, Tori. The last question of this conversation, the question I ask every guest on this show, 
This podcast and my book are all about our crumpled papers, which are the ideas or beliefs that we may have at one point believed with full certainty, but at some point realized we needed to reevaluate our perspective on. So my question to you is, what is one or a few of the biggest or most important crumpled papers of your own that you've had to unlearn or gain a new understanding of? Oh, brother, you know what? My biggest thing that in the last year that I've had to relearn and that is, is about baptism and how baptisms were done in the past. Interesting. So here's the thing is like what we would do is, and, and don't get me wrong, these studies are not bad. We would study with somebody to figure out sure. if they're ready to be baptized, right? Yeah. But if somebody has the heart yeah. to be baptized, it doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say do these studies with them. Right. You know? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. If you, you know, it says repent, right? Uh-huh. You change Jesus as Lord. Mm-hmm. You change your heart, you get baptized. Yeah. Are you going to struggle? You're going to struggle regardless of the studies or not. You're going to stop. Oh, yeah. That's not changing anything. Oh, yeah, of course. You're going to struggle. And you could, like yeah. I said, I don't think those, those, I went through those studies. I don't think those studies are a bad thing. Oh, sure. Because they're, they're, they're teaching you the Bible and they're teaching you some things about God, of course. Definitely yeah, sure. teaching you. But like John, John baptized over 3,000 people, right? He said, yeah, heaven is near. The, the Christ is coming. Right. Repent. Yeah. Be mm-hmm. baptized. You baptized over three times. He didn't say, OK, we got to do these, these these studies. first. <laughs> right. You know, we have to do these studies first to make sure you guys understand what you're doing. Yeah. When that heart changes, you understand something. Right. And so he baptized them right there. That is for, for to, just to me, just to me. Yeah. It's, it's too much power. Like if that person dies tomorrow. Yeah. And and I'm saying they're like, hey, I'm ready to be baptized. But I'm like, I ain't quite ready yet. We okay. need to make sure this is right. Like, you know, it's all about the heart, too, from from the person like studying with somebody. It is all about the. It, there's something there, too. But yeah. we have to realize when. We're holding somebody's salvation in our hands and yeah. we have to learn to let that go. A friend of mine who is studying, uh, his son is studying and they kind of come from the same background of the, the studies and stuff like that. But he just is so excited to get baptized. And I, and yeah. I told him, I said, dude, you should just baptize him. Just do it. Like, just yeah. do it. Like, finish the studies after the baptism. Sure. Yeah. He's ready. Like, that. that's where my train of thought has changed now. Like, if you're like, until you finish these studies, you can't get to Jesus. That might, that might be a hindrance. It becomes, yeah, very much a hindrance. Almost like a, like a, it's almost like we're, we're gatekeeping. Yes. Jesus yes. people want. And we're saying, no, you want this, but. We're putting a hand to their chest and saying, hey, slow down. You got to do these things first. Where Jesus is like, no, come as you are, yeah, man. Yeah, come perfect. as come you on. are. Come yeah. as you are. He goes, you know, he, he, we don't want the Pharisees' way of thinking about things. I mean, Jesus yeah. went and sat with the, the sinners, you know, the prostitutes, yeah. the tax collectors. Because the- once again, it was about the individual person. 
One at a time. One at a time. And every time he did that, he would say, hey, you, I need to talk to you. Yeah. You know? Hey, hey, you, or who touched my cloak? Hundreds of people, like his disciples saying, hundreds of people is touching you, dude. Like, right. No, somebody touched me. Yeah. Somebody. And he focuses in on that woman, you know? And so we need to, again, it's it's just about thinking about our hearts. Like we need okay. to relinquish a, cer- a certain amount of power. Yeah. And get people, get people there. Because sometimes that, you know, I remember one time I was in a study with, this guy and uh, it was a bunch of us in a study and he wouldn't, he wouldn't repent about something in a way that they thought he should. Hmm. And so he never got baptized and, and, you know, he never, he, he not only didn't he get baptized, but he never came back to church. Wow. And then more recently, like we had a couple who had been baptized in college Mm-hmm. And then they started going to our church and we started doing these studies with them. And I I started having this thing like they, and he was, he was fighting it. He was like, we've already been baptized. Like, why do we need to get rebaptized? And they were like, well, we need to make sure that your stuff aligns with, with certain things. And then finally I was just like, this is not right. Yeah. Like I was like this, if they've already been baptized, I was like, he's they've already been baptized. Why do they need to? And I felt like they got pressured into being rebaptized. Yeah. Like, do we not believe that if our hearts are set on Jesus, he will reveal to us the things we need to reevaluate and the things we need to change and the things we need to alter or rethink or whatever? Yeah. And th- th- I love that you said that. He will. And if, if we're really in tune with the spirit and, and the, sp- and the yeah. spirit is real. Okay. Mm-hmm. The spirit is real. Like some, some, there, there's a thing about that too. I'm not going to go into that. Oh, but he's so overlooked though. The spirit is so overlooked. You can't, you can't baptize in the name of the father, the son and the Holy spirit and think that the spirit is not real, but I'm not going to go there on right. right now. Oh, but it's a, it's huge though. But yes, absolutely. Yep. The thing is, is I was like, we, you know, again, we can't hold somebody's salvation in our hands until we feel like they're right. If they're not right, God is going to know it, you know? Yeah. Jesus is going to know it. And, you know, 3,000 people, John's baptizing 3,000 people. Maybe a couple of those were impulsive. Sure. Everybody else is doing this. I'm going to do this too. It looks awesome or whatever, right? Yeah. But like of that though, how many were authentic? Yeah, and, and where is it our place to be the one that tells someone it's not or it is? Yeah, and, and that that is that too. And it's, it's a hard, for some, it's a hard pill to swallow that's that we can't control that because that makes things a little easier if we can. But it's not our place. It's not our place. And so, like I said, the studies are great studies, but they shouldn't be the deciding factor if the heart is there. Absolutely. You know, it's when a, a tool becomes the standard and becomes, when it's, when it, sorry, when, when a tool like a studies to help someone know God and know the Bible becomes the very hindrance that can keep them from it, from mm-hmm. making that decision because it's, it's trying to weed people out almost rather than just take any, anyone who wants to be there and say, here it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but so well said. And um, that's all I got. Tori, 
thank you so much for being on this podcast and having this conversation. I'm I'm so happy you were on to talk about. I mean, so many, so many memories, dude. It oh, was so, so much fun, so much fun in those years. Oh, and to talk about it now and have a great conversation about just what what youth ministry is all about. It really is what it's all about. Yeah. Um, so thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. Of course. Man, this has been a um, lo- long time in the making. A long time in the making. Here we are. Guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. We'll be back with episode two next week. Until then, peace out. Thanks for hanging with us on this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast. The episode may be over, but the conversation's just getting started. If you have any questions or comments, or just want to say hi, send us an email at crumpledpaperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things Crumpled Papers. All links are in the description. This is Austin, and I'll see you next time on the Crumpled Papers podcast.